0: or Christian. Kirby Anderson examines the life and acts of George Washington, a man of great faith, now on Probe. What was George Washington's view of religion and, in particular, of Christianity? The historical perspective used to be that Washington was a Christian and orthodox in most of his beliefs. But the modern view has been that he was either a lukewarm Anglican or, more likely, a deist. This week, we're going to look at some new research that argues for the traditional view and against the modern view of George Washington's religion. One book is Washington's God, Religion, Liberty, and the Father of Our Country. It is written by Michael Novak of the American Enterprise Institute and Of the Templeton Award, along with his daughter Jana Novak. Another book written by Peter Lilbeck and Jerry Newcomb is George Washington's Sacred Fire. George Washington was born into a Virginia family of moderate wealth and was exposed to various religious activities lessons in religion, regular prayer, Sunday school attendance, and reverence for God. His mother had a daily ritual of retiring with a book of religious readings. By the time he was a teenager, Washington had already assumed serious responsibilities as a professional surveyor and then as a major in the Virginia military. His adventures in the wildlands gave him invaluable lessons about the military, Indians, and the British. Years later, in a speech to the Delaware Chiefs, Washington said, You do well to wish to learn our arts and ways of life, and above all, the religion of Jesus Christ. These will make you a greater and happier people than you are. He studied the bible as well as the writings of ancient heroes the busts and portraits of mount vernon demonstrate this there are busts of alexander the Great Julius Caesar charles the twelfth of Sweden and frederick the second of Prussia in the dining room are portraits of the Virgin Mary and St. John. Washington's own stepdaughter, Nellie Custis, saw him as a religious man. She wrote this to one of Washington's early biographers. It was his custom to retire to his library at 9 or 10 o'clock, where he remained an hour before he went to his chamber. He always rose before the sun and remained in his library until called to breakfast. I never witnessed his private devotions, I never inquired about them. I should have thought it the greatest heresy to doubt his firm belief in Christianity. His life, his writings, prove that he was a Christian. He was not one of those who act or pray that they may be seen of men. He communed with his God in secret. This week we're looking at the evidence for George Washington's faith as it surfaced in his letters and actions as general and president. You've been listening to Probe with your host Kirby Anderson. If you wish to study Washington's life further, download your free copy of Kirby's transcript, George Washington and Religion, today at probe.org. And join us next time as we apply God's truth for all times here on Probe. Pick up a book about George Washington written during the 19th century and you will probably see that he is described as being a Christian. However, if you pick up a book written in the last 70 years, it will describe him as a deist. Why the change? Well, a turning point seems to be a study by historian Paul Bowler entitled George Washington and Religion. His conclusion can be summarized in a single sentence. To the unbiased observer, George Washington appears as a deist, not a devout Christian. Most historians since Bowler accepted this idea and were less likely to assert that Washington was a Christian. Now, what do we mean by deism? Well, deism is the belief that God is merely a watchmaker God who started the universe but is not involved in the affairs of humans and human history. One definition of deism is that there is no special providence, no miracles or other divine interventions which intrude upon the lawful natural order. Was George Washington a deist? He was not. It is worth noting that even historian Paul Bowler admits that religion was important to Washington as a leader. Bowler writes that he saw to it that divine services were performed by the chaplains as regularly as possible on the Sabbath for the soldiers under his command. We might reasonably ask, why would chaplains be important to a deist? Bowler even admits that there are testimonials of Washington's church attendance. This is important since many historians even go further than Bowler and assert that Washington did not even attend church as a mature adult. Michael Novak admits that some of the names Washington often used for God sound deist, but that does not mean that he was a deist. In fact, his prayers for God's action were just the opposite of what you might hear from a deist. Washington believed that God favored the cause of liberty and should be beseeched to interpose his action for the Americans. He called for public thanksgiving for the many ways in which Americans experience God's hand in key events in our history. Washington used more than 80 terms to refer to God, among them Almighty God, Creator, Divine Goodness, Father of all mercies, the Lord of hosts. The most common term he used in his writings and speeches was providence. When he did so, he used the masculine personal pronoun he. Washington never directly refers to God as an it, as he does occasionally with providence. God is personal for him. If we look at the history of the 18th century, there were many with orthodox religious beliefs who sometimes used the philosophical language of the Enlightenment. Washington was a Christian, even though he often used terms for God associated with deists. There has been some dispute about how religious America was during the Revolutionary War. There was a shortage of churches and clergy, especially along the paths of the Western Migration, but we should also remember that the War of Independence followed the first Great Awakening. At the first meeting of the Continental Congress in Philadelphia, the first motion from the floor was for prayer to seek guidance from God. But there was resistance, not because of the prayer, but because of the theological disagreements among the members. Sam Adams settled the dispute by saying that he was no bigot and he could pray along with any minister as long as he was a patriot. I have in my office a picture of the painting showing George Washington praying with men like Patrick Henry, John Jay, and Richard Henry Lee. At the second meeting, they proposed that Washington be appointed Commander-in-Chief of the Continental Army. He did not think he was equal to the command, but accepted it. He wrote his wife, "'I shall rely therefore confidently on the providence, which has heretofore preserved and been bountiful to me, not doubting, but that I shall return safe to you in the fall.'" At the time, Washington was the only man on the continent in uniform since no Continental Army yet existed. To the British, he was the supreme traitor in open rebellion to the king. His neck was at risk and the American independence depended upon him. One event that George Washington believed showed God's providence was the Battle of Long Island in 1776. Washington and his men were trapped on Brooklyn Heights, Long Island. The British were poised to crush the American army the next day, and that would have been the end of the rebellion. Washington planned a bold move and began evacuating his troops under the cover of darkness, using everything from fishing vessels to rowboats. But there was not enough time to accomplish the task. When morning came, the fog of night remained and only lifted in time for the British to see the last American boat crossing the East River beyond the reach of their guns. You can read more about this miraculous event in Michael Novak's book, On Two Wings, Humble Faith and Common Sense at the American Founding. Washington also required chaplains for the Continental Army and personally took time for prayer. He forbade his troops under the pain of death from uttering blasphemies, even profanity, and he called upon them to conduct themselves as Christian soldiers because the people demanded it. Washington's actions during the Revolutionary War demonstrate his Christian character. In his eulogy for George Washington, Henry Lee said that he was first in war, first in peace, and first in the hearts of his countrymen. We could also say that Washington demonstrated Christian character both in war and in peace. While fulfilling his duties as general, he came to be known as a nursing father. This is a biblical phrase that appears in many of the tributes to Washington after his death. He brought together very diverse groups to fight the Revolutionary War by bridging the ethnic and social divisions of the time. This ranged from the regiment from Marblehead, Massachusetts that included men of mixed race, blacks and Indians, to the Virginia and Southern aristocrats, to the yeomen in hunting shirts from Western Virginia. One of his orders stated that all chaplains are to perform divine service tomorrow and on every succeeding Sunday. The commander-in-chief expects an exact compliance with this order, that it be observed in future as an invariable rule of practice, and that every neglect will be considered not only a breach of orders, but a disregard to decency, virtue and religion. Washington grew even more explicit as the war dragged on. He said, While we are zealously performing the duties of good citizens and soldiers, we certainly ought not to be inattentive to the higher duties of religion. To the distinguished character of patriot, it should be our highest glory to add the more distinguished character of a Christian. Washington lost a great deal of money during the war by paying for things out of his own pocket and by refusing a salary. He happily returned to Mount Vernon and spent happy years with his wife, but the Constitutional Convention in 1787 brought him to elective office. He was elected as president by unanimous vote in 1789. In his inaugural address, Washington said, "...no people can be bound to acknowledge and adore the invisible hand which conducts the affairs of men more than the people of the United States. Every step by which they have advanced to the character of an independent nation seems to have been distinguished by some token of providential agency." He issued a Thanksgiving proclamation in 1789 in which he asserted the duty of all nations in regard to God. His Thanksgiving proclamation of 1795 proclaims that there are signs of divine beneficence in the world, and in his farewell address he reminded Americans of all the dispositions and habits which lead to political prosperity, religion, and morality are indispensable supports. Washington demonstrated Christian character in war and in peace. This week we've been looking at George Washington's faith, and today I would like to summarize the arguments historians make. Those who believe that George Washington was a deist and not a Christian usually make the following observations. First, Washington never took communion at Sunday services. Second, he refused to declare his specific beliefs in public. Third, he rarely used the name of Jesus Christ in private correspondence and in public utterances. And finally, he believed in God and had an awareness of providence in his life, but it all seems like a Greek or Roman view of fate. Michael Novak's response to these observations is helpful. He says, all these objections have a grain of truth in them. Still, they are consistent with Washington's being a serious Christian who believed that he had a public vocation that required some tact regarding his private confessional life. Novak adds, it is not unusual for public men in pluralistic American life to maintain a notable reserve about their private convictions. They do not burden the public with declarations of their deepest beliefs, whose general force they trust their actions will sufficiently reveal. In the public forum, they happily give to Caesar what is Caesar's, and in the private forum, give to God what is God's. What are some of the reasons to believe Washington was a Christian? Well, First, he religiously observed the Sabbath as a day of rest and frequently attended church services on that day. Second, many report that Washington reserved time for private prayer. Third, Washington saved many of the dozens of sermons sent to him by clergymen and read some of them aloud to his wife. Fourth, Washington hung paintings of the Virgin Mary and St. John in places of honor in his dining room in Mount Vernon. Fifth, the chaplains who served under him during the long years of the Revolutionary War believed Washington was a Christian. And sixth, Washington, unlike Thomas Jefferson, was never accused by the press or his opponents of not being a Christian. It's also worth noting that, unlike Jefferson, Washington agreed to be a godparent for at least eight children. This was far from a casual commitment since it required the godparents to agree to help ensure that a child was raised in the Christian faith. Washington not only agreed to be a godparent, but presented his godsons and goddaughters with Bibles and prayer books. George Washington was not a deist who believed in a watchmaker god, he was a Christian and demonstrated that Christian character throughout his life.